It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show on this Saturday, June 24th. Man, it just seems like it just seems like June 1 was like an hour ago. I just cannot believe we're we're, we're actually we're middle. What are we more than middle ways of summer? I know the first day of summer was like, what other day, whatever day it was. But it just seems like the summer is just like skip, hopping, jumping away from us i mean as soon as july 4th you notice that a minute after july 4th when it gets like july 5th midnight they start putting out back to school oh goodness and the kids are ticked but anyway yeah summer is just midways over folks it just is it just is but if you live in vegas every day is almost like summer for me at least so how have you been did you have a good week I hope you did. My week was pretty good. It was kind of interesting. Had some craziness going on. I go jogging a lot. And so it was kind of interesting. I don't even want to get into it. But I got through it. Hey, thank God I got through it. So anyway, let's talk about today's show. We have uh, we have two best-selling authors. And I mean, New York Times best-selling authors. And one of the authors coming on, his book has already been optioned uh, for Netflix for film. Um, also, we have a very talented music composer of a new film called The Walk that was released earlier this month. So we're going to talk with him as well. And we have some auditions. Oh, yes. Auditions. We got some really good auditions. I, I think they are. I'm very proud of them. So, oops, I just dropped my earring. You heard that. But anyway, just sit back, go get you a soda, beer, whatever libation that you might prefer, and listen to us right here on Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone. And we're going to take a quick 30 second break and we'll be back with our first guest. Stay tuned. Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone will be right back after this. Okay, we are back with uh, more of Film Festival Radio Show. I hope that your Saturday is good. And if it's not, this is a good time to start making it good because if you're listening to us, we have our first guest on board here. Her name is Mary Alice Monroe. You may have read some of her books. She has authored 27 books and she has more than 7.5 million books in print. So if you have children, especially, uh, preteens getting to that era, uh, age group, I should say, middle school grades, those kids, that demographic, they love her books because a lot of her books are focused on environmental themes. And she is also known, but she's also known for her books for grown-up folks, as grown-up people. And her next uh, I should say not next, her current book, her latest book is for kids in those middle grades. 
And if you are maybe taking a summer vacation with the family, you have kids in that middle school age range, this might be a very good book for you and the kids. You might want to check it out. The book is called Search for Treasure, and it has received a lot of top reviews. It centers around three friends on this island called Dewey's Island. Uh, It's just a beautiful story about friendship, about loss, about the healing power of nature. So I know right now, the environment and being eco-friendly and green and all of that is really one of the hot button issues in our news at all times. So this is a book focused around a novel story that young kids can appreciate, but it still has the theme of um, environmental Lism, I should say. And it's not too heavy, but it's a, it's fun. And it's also just a good read for kids. If you're, like I said, maybe you're taking a car trip across the country, or maybe you're already uh, at your vacation spot and you want the kids to read something. This is your book. So I've been told that we have uh, Mary on board. She, I understand that she, in her time zone is still morning. So I better say good morning. So let's bring her on right now before we lose her. So uh, let's bring on my first guest here, Mary Alice Monroe, author of the new book, Search for Treasure. So let's bring her in right now. Hey, ma'am, I'm joining you into the conference now. Oh, great, great. You've now been joined with Janice Malone. Well, Hello. Good, well, good morning, Mary Alice Monroe. Good morning. <laughs> what time is it where you are? Well, it is, eight, <laughs> is it still morning. It's still morning, 841 here in Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're earlier. That's right. <laughs> yes. I Happy am. summer. Yes. Yes. And to further speak of summer, your latest book, Search for Treasure, is just in time for summer reading, especially for people and their kids taking vacations and such. Um, So, I mean, you've done 27 books. Do you still get excited with the release of new books? Oh, of course. This is birthday time. We're celebrating. And this is the, especially this series, this is a new thing for me. Most of my books are for adults, but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm now writing this series for 8 to 12, or season 6 to 12, if you have that little smart reader. Uh Um, This is my hope to reach kids and tell them to unplug, get outside, create some great memories in summer, and, and, and explore. Well, now this is the, uh, your current book is titled Search for Treasure. It's the second in your Islander series. Uh, yes. So for you, you, like I said, you've done so many best-selling books, 7.5 million and still going in print. What, what, so what comes first for you, the theme of, of a book or the characters, or is it a combo of both? You know, for the adult books, it was always the species. You know, what animal did I think it was endangered or was I interested in? And I'd work with the animals in that. It's by working with the wildlife myself that I, I get to know them up close and personal. And that passion I feel I can put into the book with the characters. But for the kids, it was a little different. My theme was to unplug, get them outside, and lose the fear of what is wild. I mean, I live in a beautiful place along the ocean. You know, the kids, it's so visually gorgeous. There's so much to do. It's a huck thin life here. And I wanted the kids to, all over the country, to 
to be part of the islanders, these three kids who explore, they learn the names of what is wild, they journal, they get in a little trouble, they work with sea turtles because they got in trouble, that was their punishment, that turned out to be fabulous for them. But in this book, Search for Treasure, they are learning about alligators. And there are a lot of alligators in the southeast that we are encroaching on their habitat. So the more I can get kids up close and personal with this this species and think that they're super cool, which they are, but also to learn to respect them. You know, Big Al is 16 feet long. That is a big gator. So you don't mess with Big Al. So I want the kids to have a, a caution around wildlife, but also to, to really see how cool they are. Now, your books really do complement and highlight the value and the beauty and the importance uh, with your environmental themes. Um, and I understand yes. that you are really involved with helping to preserve sea turtles. So how did you first get involved with that? Yes. Well, I live on the Isle of Palms outside Charleston, and that's a major nesting area. Not like Florida, but it's still we have a lot of nests. So the first thing I did, because of the the metaphor of the turtle, I, uh, the, the sole swimmer, she abandons her nests. We think she abandons them in human terms, but in, you know, their biological models. She's just a, a reptile with predator glutton. Off she goes. So I look for the parallels. So if I can explain it through story, people care. And I wanted to take them to this beautiful place so that they, even if they're in a New York City subway or wherever, they feel like they're here in this gorgeous landscape and they're learning about the animals. And because if you care, you take care. That's what I always say. And the kids, too, this is the planet we are leaving them. They need to be inspired and get unplugged and to, to ex run wild, as I always like to say, not be afraid. I hope that it inspires them. I've, it debuted number two on the New York Times list. And as much as I love to be thinking it's all because of my writing, which is a nice thought, but I know I'm tapping into something post-pandemic. People are concerned about the kids always plugged in. And we know for health reasons and mental health reasons, we need to unplug our children and ourselves and get outdoors. There's a phrase I really love that two hours outside, outdoors, is the new 10,000 steps. And I think that just says it all. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, even though, of course, as we know, Vegas primarily is sunny year-round, I just have to get out in that sunshine. I don't care how hot or how cold. Mm -hmm. I just, it's something about the outdoors. You're right. You're correct. You're absolutely correct. Well, it's otherwise we have a nature deficit disorder. <laughs> it's, um, or, you know, we are uncomfortable. We feel something's wrong if we don't get outside. Mm -hmm. And I like to inspire, that's what's the power of story is I like to inspire through reading about kids having a good time. The kids think, oh, you know, maybe it's not so boring. You know, maybe there is something to do outside and they get out there. There's a lot to do outside. So uh, <laughs> lastly here, uh, in, in your current book, again, Search for Treasure, uh, what are some key elements or, or bullet points that you think will really resonate with kids in that age group? Well, they get on the island, and they're coming back for the second summer, and they're so excited to see each other again. 
And one of the older community members, he lives there, Scary Harry, you know, he's an old guy with a metal detector. He found a gold doubloon. Now, along the southeast coast, every kid worth his or her salt knows that Blackbeard has his treasure buried somewhere. He hid it, and no one's found it yet. So these kids think, a gold doubloon, we're going to find Blackbeard's treasure. And over the course of the summer, they are hunting for it. Now, Father Eric had lost his leg in in book one. So now he's back on the island with a prosthesis, and he's trying to negotiate a new life. He, Who am I with this new injury? And the son is looking at his dad differently, too. So the father-son relationship is so strong, and he goes out with them to find the, the coins. And it's going out together. He's modeling with his kids. And so is grandma. She's right with him, kayaking and hiking. They're outdoors together. And that's where the healing happens. That start to talk, the bonding, the misunderstandings are resolved. And they find, of course, that the real treasure at the end is sort of like the Wizard of Oz. You had it with you all the time. That it's their relationships. And for these three kids, their friendship means everything. And I think that's the real key message in this book is how our relationships and going outdoors together mm-hmm. creates memories. And finally here, uh, now, as I said earlier, Search for Treasure is the second in, in a part of your Islander series. Will there be a, a follow-up, a sequel to the first Yes, one? we're already working on it, okay. a number three. And there's a little sniffing around for a TV series. We're very excited because Outer Banks is filmed right here. And that's been so popular for a little bit older kids. So this is for our younger kids. It's really showing kids how fun it is to be outdoors. And kids are reading the book, and I'm getting a lot of letters from them saying, um, is Big Al real? Is Deweese real? How can I get there? I love Lovey. They all have their favorite character. And I always love to ask kids when I talk to them, Who, are you Team Macon, Team Jake, or Team Lovey? And they all have their favorite characters. I also love it when my adult readers say, hey, Mary Alice, I read your book and I absolutely loved it. And I think it's because we don't dumb down the book. It's yeah. just written it for a different age group, meaning we're sensitive to language and pacing. But the issues are still very important. The relationships, uh, getting close to nature, getting outdoors. It's very positive. Well, it's good to hear there's a possibility of maybe television to some of this. So we'll be on the lookout for it. And hopefully if that happens, I will love to talk to you again. But for now, we're enjoying Search for Treasure by you, the one and only Mary Alice Monroe. Thank you so much for the chat. Oh, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Okay, then. Take care, then. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Listeners, we have 
our next guest on board here on Film Festival Radio Show. And I am very, very honored to talk to uh, him because I have not, and you know, if you guys have listened to the show, I have not talked to a lot of film composers, lots of filmmakers, actors and actresses, producers, etc. But this is probably the first time in many years that I'm talking to an actual film composer. His name is Robert Torteris, and he has a new film. His work will be heard on The Walk, which is debuting as a film later this month. So, Robert, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. Oh, uh, I'm happy uh, to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, now, this is a very impressive uh, cast of actors here of uh, The Walk. Tell us about the cast. Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, Terrence Howard, obviously, is just brilliant, and uh, Jeremy Piven, uh, people will be uh, wonderfully shocked at how good he is. He's obviously a great actor, but so many people know him from Entourage mm -hmm. that uh, it's wonderful to see him do a dramatic role, and he is a incredibly loathsome person in the movie, and uh, just does an incredible job with it, really leans into the character, and uh, Malcolm McDowell, who's a legend, obviously, and um, and uh, uh, Justin Chatwick, um, Justin Chatwick, sorry, who uh, is just uh, he's just such a great actor. Um, it's just it's just a a great group of people. Now the the core of the storyline, and you can take it from here, but basically about the racial racism problems that was going on in Boston during the mid-1970s with the desegregation of public schools. So take it from there and right. get more into the, the core of the storyline. I mean, most specifically the busing. So what Boston decided to do to, to uh, desegregate quickly was uh, to bus students from different neighborhoods into schools in other neighborhoods. So um, our story uh, takes place in two, uh, with two different families. Uh, one, a white family living in uh, in South Boston or Southie, as Boston people call it, and um, the other uh, family living in Roxbury, which is predominantly black. And so. Um, and it's a, it's a wonderfully small story. It's not, it's obviously a story about a big sweeping social change, but, um, it's, the story is very small that you deal with the families and the, the people directly who this affects and who are against it and who are for it and who are just scared of it. And, um, you know, don't understand change and, uh, don't want change. And, uh, you know, it's, it deals with people and how people uh, navigate these large social sweeping changes. And um, that's the crux of the story, basically. Now, as a composer, your music obviously is heard throughout the film. Uh, how do you, you, but as a composer, you have done music for so many networks from Netflix, HBO, Bravo, Showtime, Nickelodeon, just so many. Uh, for this particular film, how did you begin dissecting on what kind of music? Did you just go back and look at a lot of films and video from that era? Or just, just how did you attack this? You know, I watched, I read the script and then I watched the film like 
eight times or something like uh, the director Daniel Adams sent it to me initially um, uh, he sent me the script and then he sent me the film and I watched the film like three or four times and then he came to my studio I watched it with him and then I watched it a bunch afterwards and uh, it helps so it's second nature um, so I don't have to think about oh what's going to happen in this film next and what should I be so I really make sure that the film is like it's sort of living inside me and you know as far as the score leading on influences you know it's in the 70s and um i lean too in that direction of 70s style music because i thought that would be a little distracting and almost nostalgic and, and i we do Want that. Oh, okay, so you were saying that the as far as the style and the compositions, um, what what inspired? Did you listen to a lot of music from that era, the mid seventies, or what? I, I didn't really. Uh, you know, I like, I was saying um, before I dropped out, I was saying I didn't want to lean too hard into that era because of the nostalgia that could build, and I, we, that's not the feeling we wanted for the movie. We didn't want to build nostalgia we wanted a feeling of almost unease like we you it's the these small moments where you know something big is coming i think with nostalgia nostalgia can be used so wonderfully in things like stranger things uh which you know these kind of scores um that are evocative of the era and i didn't want to i did that a little bit but i didn't want to do it too much i wanted to give more of an original feeling, something you hadn't felt or heard in relation to this period before. Now, as I said a minute ago, you are really making a name for yourself as a composer with all of these top A-list networks. I mean, how did you get started? What was your first um, opportunity to, to score a film? Oh, boy. Um, you know, I, I got started, I was a... Uh, guitar player in you know I was I had dreams of being a rock star like a lot of guitar players when they're younger and uh, then and uh, I played in bands did that sort of thing then I lived in Europe for a while and I was a singer songwriter after that and uh, but I've always loved film and television obsessively so and I think when it dawned on me to actually do to combine my two favorite things. Um, you know, I uh, I started doing little films. Like, you know, you start doing independent, not even independent, just like, you know, the guy down the street has a camera and uh, he wants to make a film or a woman that you meet in, on Craigslist that needs a composer for a five-minute short and that sort of thing. And I did a bunch of those I worked in this, as an assistant for a while to some really good, uh, really nurturing and helpful uh, film composers who were just really great to me, uh, which is always, you know, everything is about uh, helping someone else, in, especially in this business, because it can be so difficult. And um, I got a lot of help from some really good people. Um, my, in my first job was actually as a assistant was... Uh, Got, the person that found it for me was a woman named Pinar Toprak, who is actually a very big composer. She, she's uh, done the music for Captain Marvel. And uh, way back, she was my first friend in Los Angeles, and she helped me basically get my first job in the, as an assistant to a composer. And actually, 
was a producer on this film, which is sort of amazing and has come full circle. Um, you know, everything that matters in this business is really about people giving a leg up to other people. And, and uh, it, it just, that is really the way people get ahead. You know, you do really good work and people see that and they want to help you. They want to, you know, it's really the best thing you can do is do good work, meet good people. Yeah. Your name gets around and for a good thing. Well, now, I yeah. mean, of course, we've, we've all heard and read, unfortunately, about uh, as far as Hollywood, really anywhere, but but Hollywood about minorities and African-Americans or Asians, whatever, not having enough, uh, a, a good balance of opportunities. What is that right. like as far as what you do as a composer? Is it even more challenging? Is Because this is a very a niche, specific field, very precise field that you're in. Right. And there are not a lot of black composers. There are more than there used to be. And now there are a handful of really big ones, which is great. You know, Terrence Blanchard is one of my favorites, you know, uh, who does uh, Spike Lee's movies, but also does some incredible work um, uh, outside of that. Um, real, and Terrence Blanchard is considered an A-list composer. Um Chris Bowers, uh, also an A-list composer who is just wonderful, uh, works with David DuVernay a lot. But, uh, and, you know, Amanda Jones, a few other people working in TV and some film. But uh, Kurt Farquhar is another one. But it, there's not a lot. As a matter of fact, I've been, to, <laughs> I feel like I've been to parties where we all see each other. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, it's, it, there's not a lot of black composers. Um, uh, so does that make it difficult? I don't, I, you know, it used to be more difficult. I remember starting when it was a lot more difficult. There are definitely more opportunities now. It could still open up more though. I mean, I think there's a lot of paths forward right now, wonderfully so for black writers and uh, less so for black directors, but still plenty of paths forward. Um, I think black composers, uh, it's one of those things that it definitely needs. It's better than when I started, but it definitely needs improvement. Um, uh, but then again, there's a lot more projects like this, where, um, like The Walk, where uh, that are about the black experience that um, that deal with issues of race. So that can create an opportunity, although you don't want to just do that. You want to, there's plenty of uh, stories to tell that are about joy and about other things. So um, it's better than it used to be. Um, it's, and needs improvement still, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Definitely so. Well, that's good to know that there are people such as you and Terrence Blanchard and many others that kids who are at wherever is, is Berkeley or Juilliard or whatever, even high school, can look right. at you guys, especially in your age group, to know that their hope is definitely there and thriving. So that's good to know. There's definitely a lot more of that. I mean, the only black post I can think of growing up was Quincy Jones. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I can't think of, an, uh, in terms of my age and my era. Yeah. You know, this just really before me. He wasn't really composing for films in the 80s and 90s. And so, um, 
you know, he was he was working with Michael, and so I, I you know, I in, in terms of film composers, it was definitely a narrow field when I was growing up. I mean, I didn't see anyone. All the composers that I looked to at that at that age were predominantly white. I would say. So, what is next for you? I mean, I'm looking at this list. There are. I mean, there, you've covered every major studio and network. Are there any left that you have not covered yet? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people that I'd love to work with. Um, you know, a lot of directors, a lot of producers I'd love to work with. Um, uh, right now, I uh, I work with uh, I, I do a show called Cold Justice, which is on the Oxygen Network, um, and uh, we're about to do our hundredth episode. Um, working on it right now, and um, working on the score for it, and um, and that's uh, that's produced by Dick Wolf of you know of Law and Order and a lot of other shows, um, and uh, I'm happy to be a part of a small part of the Dick Wolf family there. Um, so we're doing, I'm doing that, and uh, there's a few other things. I uh, got a documentary I'm about to start that I'm really excited about. Um, which will be just such it's a it's going to take a while because it's really just a big project but it's very exciting i'm thrilled with it so that's going to be really really thrilling and that'll come out next year will it be cheating if we could ask you what's the topic or story matter um i don't want to talk too much about it but it's a it's about it's actually a it's a black history um uh dealing and it deals with uh, the 19th century into the 20th century and it's a it's a really really interesting topic and um, yeah I, I mean I don't want to I don't want to say too much because I don't I don't know what their plan is and how they're gonna roll it out okay. and so on and so forth but it's it's, uh, it's it's next year uh, it'll be for PBS um, which is I've never done anything for PBS so actually that's kind of exciting and just because the quality, PBS, the quality is going to oh, be okay. so, so high. I'm just thrilled about that. So, oh, I mean, it's PBS. You, you, you know, it's just some brand, some names. All you have to do is just say the the word Nike, Coca Cola, PBS. Yeah. You know the rest. Right. Sure, exactly. <laughs> you know his quality. Well, finally, Robert, uh, how can people say hello to you? Is it social media, website, or both, or, or what? Uh, social media. Um, I am terrible at social media, but if they want to say hello there, I will say hello back for sure. Um, I am. So if you want to reach me on Twitter, it's all one word, Robert Toteris, uh, or at Robert Toteris, I should say. And if you want to reach me on Instagram, which I've been doing a little bit more of lately, it's Robert underscore Toteris. T-O-T-E-R-A-S. Okay, got um, it. Yeah. Got it. Well, I I understand. I correct myself that the walk uh, is out a few days ago. Yes, I'm oh. sorry. You know what? And I was going to say something, and then uh, I forgot to say that. Uh, but yes, the walk is out. The walk came out on Friday okay. and is out now in theaters and on digital. So you can, I believe, go to on demand and find it, or some streamers and find it. And um, uh, yeah, but. Uh, but go to the theater. If you can go to the theater, go to the theater. It's, oh, yeah. I, 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 I hate to see theaters going downhill the way they are. And so it's it's still a great experience. Um, you know, so if you can get out, go to the theater, definitely. I agree. The, even I, I love the movie theater so much. Even if it's a bad movie, 
over the years. Yeah. I just want to go. Just want the. I want to smell the popcorn. I want to sit in the sure. seat. Just, you know, the popcorn, the candy. Mm-hmm. I love when you hot dogs. I have a soft spot for movie hot dogs. I shouldn't eat too many of them anymore. Me but um, <laughs> but uh, I, I I love I love the movie theater, and I we were lucky enough to have a nice premiere in LA of The Walk, and it was great to see it in the theater. So. Oh wow! I thought that was fun. Very fun. Well, Robert, again, thank you so very much. And I finally talked to a composer. I remember oh. now the last time I talked to a composer, I think it was in 2011. So I'm really a long overdue. Well, I'm honored. All right, Janice. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, the same here. And I hope to talk to you when uh, your PBS doc is out next year. You can come back and we can really dig into it. I would love that. That would be fantastic. Okay. Well, again, thank you and have a great rest of the day. You too. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, before we get to our next guest here. I have some auditions for you to check out. And these are really good auditions. I love them. One takes place right here in Las Vegas. Yeah, it's right here in town. So there's a new musical production called All Motown. And they are putting together this show. And what they're looking for is an all-female singing group. Yes, and they want you to have high energy because this is a high energy show. Come on, it's Motown. And it will take place right here in Las Vegas. And they are seeking African-American female singers between the ages of 21 and up. And you need to be able to vocally bring it. You need to have exceptional singing voices. You need to have a good ear for harmony with the ability to dance to choreographed numbers. Okay, so I mean, we all love Motown music, but if you're going to be on stage, you need to be able to sing and dance for Motown. I mean, you know how Motown throws down. So anyway, if this is you, if you are an African American female singer, age 21 and older, you can really sing and dance to choreographed uh, dances. This audition, the producers are looking for you. By the way, this is a paid uh, gig if you are hired. Now, you need to make an appointment to go audition for this uh, All Motown review. The phone number, well, before I give you the phone number, let me tell you, it's going to take place, the auditions are going to take place at the Alexis, A-L-E-X-I-S, Alexis Park Hotel inside uh, the area is called the Modern Showroom. That address is 375 East Harmon, East Harmon Avenue, 375 East Harmon Avenue. That's right here in Vegas. Zip code is 89169. Now, in order to audition, you have to make an appointment and you need to call this local phone number, area code 702 772 1084. And they don't have a cutoff date, but they are asking that you make the appointment for the audition ASAP as soon as possible. And they will uh, designate you a date and time when to come do your audition. Also, during the audition, you must be able to sing the song Heat Wave. Remember the For those of you who are old enough, the uh, song Heat Wave by Martha and the Vandellas. You will be expected to sing Heat Wave plus one other Motown song that you choose. So if you know that you can throw down on uh, whatever Motown song you like, 
do that one, but you've got to be able to sing Heat Wave. So once again, to book an audition, the phone number is area code 702-772-1084. And you need to call as soon as possible. And the auditions are going to take place at the Alexis Park Hotel, 375 East Harmon Avenue. So call ASAP. All right. Okay. Our second audition here. This is involving a new television game show on the History Channel. Yeah, this is a new one. And you you will get a chance if you are selected. And if you win, you can get up to $5,000. But even if you don't win the grand prize, you are guaranteed a $500 appearance fee. Plus, you get to be on national television on the History Channel. Not a bad deal. So this is what they're looking for. The producers are searching nationwide for people who are kind of kind of on that nerdy side. That would that would kind of be like me. Um, they're looking for people who are like scientists, historians, engineers, and experts of all types. This is a fun game show. So if you are a hobbyist, maybe you like to do storm chasing. I've never, has anybody ever met a storm storm chaser? Do you know a storm chaser? I have never met a storm chaser. I need to meet a storm chaser. I just want to know, how do you do this? So if you, if that's your hobby, being a storm chaser, or maybe you like ancient Roman history, maybe that's a hobby for you studying it, or maybe you teach it. Or if you are a mechanical engineer or computer scientist, and this is your profession, maybe it's your hobby. Uh, Maybe you've written a book about the industrial revolution, or maybe you like studying just for fun about the industrial revolution, economists, all, you know, the real smart people stuff. If that's your forte, then this new game show on the History Channel that's coming up, that might be for you. So if that fits your boat and your hat, if you're that knowledgeable, I mean, I'm kind of nerdy, but I'm not that smart. Trust me on that. So this is what you need to do. You need to send by email your name and first and last name, your telephone number, the city and state where you live, what is your occupation, and a brief paragraph about your educational background, uh, what expertise, what fields of uh, profession that you work in, organizations you might belong to. You know, just who, who are you? Who are you? And if you have any links or documents that help the producers to learn more about you. Like if you got YouTube links, resumes, that kind of stuff. And then you need to send two pictures of yourself. Don't have on a hat, it says, and don't wear any sunglasses. Don't look like you're, you know, cool, dude. You can, you might be cool. Not, not taking your cool points away. You might be cool. But for these pictures, they don't want to see hats and sunglasses. They want to see, they want to see how handsome or how good looking you are. Okay. And, um, they are going to be taping this like again, ASAP, ASAP. So what you need to do again is send all of that information and send it to casting experts, two zero two two at gmail.com. Yeah casting experts with an s 2022 at gmail.com and that's what you do and finally this is also uh this is a fun one if everybody knows about the singing telegram 
Yeah, everybody, you know about singing telegrams, and they've been in business forever, a singing telegram. They're cute, they're fun. So this is an opportunity if you want to make some extra money, the average, uh, it says average pay is from $85 to $150 plus tips per singing telegram. So if that's something that you would like to try instead of, you know, some of the other delivery, you know, delivering food or delivering flowers, or maybe you want to put your talents to the test. If you are a performer that you can sing, you can do comedy, uh, you know how to improvise and you know how to meet and mix with people. And this singing telegram, you will be making deliveries to offices people's uh, homes and restaurants, those types of places. So if that is something that, oh, one more thing. Uh, some of their popular characters, if you're going to be singing Telegram, some of their popular characters include Marilyn Monroe, uh, the singing nurses, the singing police people, uh, singing Elvis, Austin Powers, um, singing Telegram. We've all seen them. So if this is something that you are interested in and you can make some extra money, you need to have the following. You need to own a smartphone uh, so that you can use the company's app. You need to have very dependable transportation. You need to have some improv experience. You know, know how to... Not to improv, not to improv. And they want you to be able to carry a tune. You, you may not be like Mariah Carey or somebody like that, but at least carry a tune. So if that is you and you want to make some extra money doing singing telegrams, this is what you need to do. You need to email current pictures of yourself, any kind of links uh, about you yourself performing or wherever, of Instagram, YouTube, TikTok especially. Uh, a resume, a telephone number, and list any costumes that you might already have. Do you have an Elvis costume? You got a gorilla in the tutu costume, that kind of stuff. Phantom of the Opera, all of that. Nerd costume, all that. So list any characters that you think that you want to do or maybe you have done. Uh, send all of that. Be prepared, but to get the exact specific information, go to the website singingtelegramsnow.com, singingtelegramsnow.com, and there you will find everything that I just said and then some. And I'd like to see people. I got a couple of friends who would be very good at this. If I could sing, I might even do it because it sounds like a lot of fun. So yeah, want to do a singing telegram? Make you some money on the side. Uh, people are doing some of everything that's legal uh, nowadays to bring in some extra money. I mean, just doing this alone, maybe that'll pay for your gasoline because I don't want to go into that conversation. But anyway, the website again, singing telegrams with an S now in OW.com. And that will get you in. You can do your, your audition and get all of the information on how to do it, where to do everything. Okay. Those are some pretty good auditions. I think those were some real, I actually think those are some very good auditions. I like all three of them. So, okay, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with our next guest. Stay tuned to Film Festival Radio with me, Janice Malone. Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone will be right back after this. Okay. We are back here and once again, want to make sure that you Tune in 
get the audition information. If you need to get our email address, info at filmfestivalradio.com, just in case that you missed uh, the information from the auditions, we'll be glad to send you the phone numbers, the email addresses, just anything that you need. We'll try to supply it for you because we've had, as I've said repeatedly, we've had listeners to take advantage of uh, auditioning in some of these uh, tryouts that we have, we announce here. So especially the one located here, right here in Vegas uh, with the Motown sound uh, music production there. Okay. I've just been given notice that our next guest is on board, hanging on there. Our next guest is a New York Times, another New York Times bestselling author and a filmmaker. His name is Soman Chanini, and he has a very popular fiction series. The original is a series, actually, I think it's a three-part series, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was so good when he made the debut uh, it was like shot to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. The original first book is called The School for Good and Evil, and it has sold more than 3 million copies. It's been translated into more than 30 languages across six continents. That's some good numbers. And guess this, it will soon become a Netflix film. So now he has, I think, if I'm not mistaken, we'll find out when we bring him on board, uh, he has the final series, uh, it, the final novel, I should say, in the series, which is titled, the latest book is Rise of the School for Good and Evil. And it was announced a few days ago that actress Kate Blanchett has joined the cast, uh, along with Carrie Washington, Charlize Theron, Michelle Yao. Now that's an all-star cast right there, Kate Blanchett. Carrie Washington, Charlize Theron, and Michelle Yao. Uh, it was announced just a few days ago. Uh, the School for Good and Evil will be the upcoming Netflix film and um, made from this book, this series, this book series, The School for Good and Evil is the original one. So now the author has the current and I believe final uh, novel in the series is Rise of the School for good and evil. So let's bring him on board. Let's talk about this. We only have a short time with him. I can't get too far. Well, you know, a lot of times these authors are not allowed to speak about the film or TV aspects if their books are optioned for uh, films and television shows. So I, I've been told not to ask him. But anyway, uh, we have Soman Chanini, the author, on board. The operators are waiting. So let's bring him on right now to talk about his latest new novel from the series, Rise of the School for Good and Evil. Let's bring on Soman right now. One oh. moment, please, Janice. All right, let's do it. We're now joined by Janice. Well, good afternoon, Soman. Hi, nice to talk to you. Very nice to talk with you as well. Well, you have one hit of a book here on your hand. Uh, your brand new novel, Rise of the School for Good and Evil. I just love the title. It just makes you want to just sit down in the bookstore and just start reading it immediately. <laughs> so congratulations. Oh, yeah, no, I, 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 thank you. It's a book I'm very excited about. And it sort of um, continues in a series that I've been working on for um, almost 10 years now. Wow, you look so young. Goodness. Okay. That's a good thing. <laughs> well, now, um, 
since this is a series, do you suggest that fans read your previous book, Rise, first, or, or is it good that they just jump right into the current new one, or what? We can go either way, you know, because you can either start with book one of the series, um, which is the one being turned into a Netflix movie, um, and that's the beginning of a six-book series about a friendship between two girls that, are, that is threatened by this kind of lethally dangerous school um, that they're dropped into. And the question is, if it's a mistake that one is put in good and one is put in evil, um, or whether they're right where they belong. And it's sort of a big, epic, sprawling story. Or you can sort of begin with Rise, which is more about the, the school before these two girls arrive, and, and it's run by these two twin schoolmaster brothers, one good, one evil. And they're able to preserve their immortality and infinite powers as long as they don't kill one another. So it, the, you, you sort of have to choose between intrigue between brothers and a kind of sharp, uh, short action pass throw ride, um, or that kind of more Harry Potter esque epic uh, about two girls. And you can choose where to start. Choose where to start. Okay, so you mentioned uh, Netflix. So, what is it like to have uh, your book being prepared for a Netflix series? Or uh, are you involved in it, or, or what? Yeah, I'm pretty involved in it, and I think um, it's, from what I've seen, it's a fantastic movie, and, and I'm excited for the world to see it, and I think it's going to turn people on to this brand new fantasy universe that they can really live in, and, and, you know, we haven't had one for a long time that people can get obsessed with, and I think this might be it. So have they already finished uh, shooting, or, or what? Yeah, it's um, coming out in September. Oh, in September. Okay. Well, we may be talking to you again uh, with the big release date. So I know that's going to be so exciting. So, okay. You, you said you've been working uh, on this series for about 10 years. So how did the idea for the series originally come about for you? I think I saw an opportunity with Disney and Harry Potter and Star Wars and Marvel. All these stories always always tell you that the good guy always wins. And I love the idea that I could tell a story that was more like Game of Thrones where there is no good guy and evil guy. There's just what people do. And you don't necessarily commit to someone being a hero or a villain. And they're able to switch between good and evil. And, and you know, you're always a little unsettled as to who to be rooting for. Now, I understand that you studied film and you wanted to originally be a, a director as well. So uh, is that coming into fruition soon for you, directing if you're... Uh, uh, future books become movies or what? I think for me it was that I learned a way of storytelling that was quite visual. Um, and so that's how it, it, I write my books. Um, and to me, being a storyteller is being a storyteller. It doesn't matter what medium you're in. So whether I'm working on a film, whether I'm writing a film, or directing a film, or writing a book, it's all about the quality of the storytelling, you know, being precise and clear in, in every moment and how I present the characters. Now, do you have uh, another series in mind to follow up the school for good and evil, or will this do it, or, or what? Not yet. I mean, I, I think um, I'm going to finish this next book after Rise, because it's a part of a, a two-parter. Um, and then we'll see. I'll probably take some time off, let the movie do its thing, and then decide what to do once, uh, once I get a, a little bit of a clear sense of of, you know, what I think my muse is calling me towards. So do you think it, it uh, will continue into the world of fantasy and fairy tales and the, the whole genre that you're in now or a whole different area of writing? I think a, a, most likely a different genre. I think um, 
you know, uh, I don't feel the need to stick around in the same zone I am now. Uh, I think I've done that for 10 years. I'd like to totally pivot and do something totally different, you know. Um, you only get to live once. So I think there's a, there's value in being nimble enough to, to um, pivot and do something totally, totally out of your comfort zone. So uh, for the current book, Rise of the School for Good and Evil, do you have any personal favorite characters of, of your own or what? I really like Captain Hook. I think he's a cool, um, you know, complex character. He's very kind of manipulative and, and seductive, but also very smart and charming. And I think he has so much more dimension than we're used to from other Captain Hook characters, you know? Very different, for sure. Very different. So when you are putting, you know, your books together, uh, putting the characters and I mean, so do you test drive these characters among uh, children that you know, or family, relatives, friends, or, or what? I think for me, it comes from parts of myself. I don't really try to base stuff on, you know, other people's characters or even their, anticipate their reactions, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's all about trying to find elements of a character within me, you know, because then I can write them if I know them uh, inside myself. Um, but sometimes, you know, parts of people I've met or know creep into the character for sure. I bet it is a lot of fun going to uh, book signings when you have them. I mean, do you go to events like Comic-Con and all of that? Because this seems like it's a perfect one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What is that I've like? I've been doing for those for many years. It's a really fun experience because the kids come and dress up and they're really rowdy and they they have such a good time and they're so excited to be there, you know? So um, I think that's what has always given me life over the years is how much they enjoy themselves and, and how committed and passionate they are about the series. Oh yeah. I, I can just see the kids dressing up for this one for sure. Well, oh, yeah, they do all the time for sure. Well, again, you said that uh, Netflix is September is the big month and the big uh, premiere uh, for your so what, do you have any plans? Do you, are you going to have any red carpet events that we can tune in and watch maybe online or what for the premiere? I'm sure there's going to be all that, but um, we haven't firmed up all the, the calendar yet, but you know, it comes out in September, so I'm assuming um, there'll be a handful of, of you know, premieres and things uh, to come. Okay, in the meantime, uh, where can people, your fans and readers, reach out to you to say hello and tell you how much they love your book? Um, they can come to me on Instagram at Soman C or Twitter, Soman Chainani, uh, or my website, SomanChainani.com. Can't miss it cannot miss it. If they know your name, they know how to find you. So, oh God. So anyway, Saman, thank you so much for your work and your writing and uh, looking forward to that Netflix event. So thank you so much. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Okay. Take care then. Bye-bye. Okay, we are so out of time. We're running over time, actually. So thank you to all of our guests. Uh, make sure you check out their books their movies, everything. So we're going to see you guys next week. Have a great rest of the weekend and we'll see you on the next edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Take care of yourself. Be safe out there. Bye-bye.